hello kids and welcome to episode number 13 of the eager beaver podcast a podcast providing incisive commentary on canadian politics and general culture today recording day is saturday november 13th 2021 and it's a gray and seasonal day here at the beaver lodge for which i am grateful well, at least as grateful as the recent passive warmish days that allowed to squeeze in a few more tennis matches. <laughs> I'm your host, the Eager Weaver, and I am just so overjoyed because you, my dearest kids, are lending me your ears once again. Whether you spent Remembrance Day honoring someone in your family for having served or being grateful to those from other families who have, all are welcome. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com, who have been just lovely. Because it's always easier to do good work when good people pitch in to help. On this week's episode, it's nothing but news. We have no guests this week because there's been so much going on since the election, and this is a good time to get caught up. So, kids, put on your comfy slippers and wrap yourself up in your favorite blankie, because here we go! Before we dive into the headlines, I must not forget to greet this Gabfest gregarious growler. Hello, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? Uh, physically, a little rough. Mm. Spiritually, doing very well. well <laughs> a little insomnia. That's good. I'm, I'm low on both fronts. Terrible. I didn't sleep hardly at all last night, and I have no idea why. So I'm just mm. a zombie today. I didn't sleep very much last night either, but I know precisely why. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, we went out for a nice uh, evening with uh, friends, uh, some friends with whom I play tennis. We, it's cl- getting close to the end of the season. And uh, so we went for, uh, for some drinks and a little bit of a meal. And um, I'm not much of a drinker. So sometimes one beer is all it takes to make me start to feel a little sleepy. Mm. So <laughs> when we got home, I uh, conked out on the bed uh, right next to my sweetie. And of course I was fully clothed and I thought, you know what, this is good. I'm just going to sleep here now <laughs> because I'm tired now. But of course my sweetie didn't think it was okay that I should be wearing clothes to bed. So it's not we had to negotiate getting my clothes off. And then we had to negotiate who was going to turn off the lights and make sure the doors were closed. And then we had to negotiate how many blankets. And then we had to negotiate what position we were going to cuddle in. And by the time we finished all the negotiation, I was awake again till 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, I, I caught my second wind. <laughs> I didn't have anything like that but uh i got home uh, relatively early uh watched a movie and then 11 o'clock which is my usual bedtime went to bed and slept till uh about 1 2 o'clock woke up and lied there and then the alarm went off at six and i dozed back to sleep for a bit and i saw an email from you but i, I read it and it didn't make any sense to me at the time so i'm just like i got to go back to sleep and then when i woke up again i responded to your email yep saying yeah i'm kind of much in the same way today just very very tired <laughs> and uh, for for no particular reason i didn't do anything 
outlandish last night. I only had a couple of uh, a couple of beer at the pub and and light beer, like ultralight beer, three point five percent. So um, yeah, I, I had no idea why I had such a sleepless night. It just happens sometimes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it just happens sometimes. But uh, I'll tell you that when I was popping out of bed at half past midnight, knowing for sure I'd be up until about five something, I did realize that the value of love is that it prevents you from strangling, murdering, <laughs> struggling, <laughs> smothering. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think that's the most important part of love. It actually helps people keep people alive. <laughs> those are all bad things. Doing those things are bad. So let's not do those. Yes. <laughs> it makes you think twice. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I can well imagine. Yeah. Uh, but spiritually, I'm doing well. Uh, I've had a lot of good news. Um, first of all, uh, it was my uh, sweetie and I's ninth anniversary this week. Oh, congratulations. Yes. Hopefully, we will be celebrating tonight. It was actually on, we met on late on the evening of the 10th. And, you know, so we sort of, do with the 10th and the 11th both as our anniversary um, but of course the 11th is remembrance day so there's mm-hmm. you know not much you can do to celebrate <laughs> no definitely not definitely not <laughs> okay. so uh yeah hopefully uh i'll get a nap in this afternoon and i will uh, be okay for this evening so that we can uh, celebrate properly mm. and uh uh the play is going well and i had an audition this week uh for a radio series uh, oh, really? Six episodes. And uh, I found out uh, last night before going to bed uh, that I got the part. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So it was the one, uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the on the show, uh, but I'd received a, an invitation to audition to, for two things. And one of the things was very, very last minute. And I actually got my audition request in like mm-hmm. two hours before the deadline. And some roles had already been cast. Um, so I was very lucky to get an audition and that there was even a role left. Yeah, so no kidding. I, yeah. Yeah. Good well, news. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> um. You want to just jump into the show? Yeah, yeah. My brain is—I'm sort of in neutral right now. So let's just uh, let's just start things off, shall we? All right, let's do this. Coast to coast to coast. COVID roundup. Well, kids, it appears that this show is a COVID Cassandra, and as we know, everyone hates a Cassandra. Because she's always got bad news. <laughs> when we left our regular episodes prior to the election, we were entering the fourth wave in earnest. And as we get back into our regular episodes, we may be seeing signs of the fifth. On August 14th, our national seven-day new infections rolling number stood at 12,148. Last week, it was 15,861. Today, it is 16,410. A little bit up, but still up. Vaccination-wise, by the time this show airs, over 78.5% of the Canadian population and just about 90% of Canadians 12 years of age and over will have received at least one shot. 75% of the population, or nearly 86% of those 12 years of age and over, will be fully vaccinated. Nearly 240,000 Canadians will have received a booster since our last show, bringing the national number to over 800,000. So that is progressing relatively rapidly, Mm -hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. On the party front, 
COVID party of Canada, weak leader, Aaron O'Toole, still can't seem to settle on a remotely logical position. I love it. You laugh when I say that. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. You see. <laughs> the COVID party of Canada. Yes. Uh, he still can't seem to settle on a remotely logical position on mandatory vaccine status, status for his MPs. And because any day he's speaking about vaccines is a bad day for him, he opted to humiliate himself by suggesting he needs a new dictionary. He was screaming that coalitions are divisive. Uh, pardon? Yeah. Uh, Coalition, which literally <laughs> means... Oh, yeah. Get together. It? It's congregate. Yes. <laughs> is going to be divisive for the country. Um, maybe we should buy him a thesaurus. Mm. File under, didn't think that one through, did ya? Mm. But you, you know you're desperate there, right? Aaron, 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 Aaron. Darling, the fact that nobody wishes to coalesce with you, not even the members of your own party from what it looks like, whoa, but doesn't mean coalescing is bad. <laughs> Besides, uh, your party tried this play before when Dion, Giuseppe, and Leighton actually announced that they had signed something a few years ago. Uh, so now you're just trying to change the channel based on the fact that the government elect of Canada was consulting with the NDP before the speech from the throne, just as it has consulted with you. Well, so my... Wednesday evening scotch and cigar get together with a group of old guys. I'm like, I'm the youngest guy there by 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and a couple of the fellows, uh, who are lifelong conservative voters are like, nah, this guy's got to go. Like they, they vehemently have a, a, a distaste for his absolute lack of leadership on this front. And they, they were completely supporting Brian Mulroney, throwing him under the bus last week or two weeks ago or whenever it was, because they were saying, look, if you're a leader, lead, and he's not leading and he's trying to keep everybody happy and you can't. And these individuals, these guys are like 75% of the Canadian population support vaccine mandates, um, vaccine passports and people getting vaccinated, period. Mm -hmm. So if 75% of the populace supports it, Maybe, maybe you should lean into that. You'd think, but nope, because of course the dingbats in his party kept the issue alive by going full American mm -hmm. and introducing its version of the Tea Party slash Freedom Caucus, which, you know, we know eventually became the Insurrection Caucus. So, mm -hmm. you know, forewarned is forearmed, uh, but yeah, and they called it, well, wait for it, the Civil Liberties Caucus. Which, you know, that was designed to go on after because, you know, once, you know, COVID eventually disappears, well, then we're going to talk about, you know, our civil liberty to force young people into conversion therapy and our civil liberty mm -hmm. to force you to have a child you don't want to carry and our right. civil liberty to uh, send in the army to crack some skulls when the indigenous people get a little too uppity and, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. no. They may as well have called it the poke Aaron with a stick in the eye caucus. <laughs> because no sooner was it formed that Marilyn Gladue emerged as the Grand Marshal of this freak parade to deliver a what the f interview on CTV's question period. The contents of her claims being so ridiculous, I won't even deign to repeat them here. Just ridiculous. It just 
well, absurd is the uh, is the uh, best term I can think of. The most polite one I can think of. Yeah, and this thing that you're mentioning about leadership on the part of O'Toole, well, this totally predictable overreach <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did hand O'Toole a golden opportunity to exercise a bit of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, that wing of the party really stepped in it with this big time, oh, yeah. just as he was about to announce his shadow cabinet. So it gave him an opportunity to quote unquote, punish them by excluding them. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> when you exclude the nuttiest of your coconuts, <laughs> and that's the only reason why your shadow cabinet is not as tragic as expected, that's not saying much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's still in the situation that, you know, okay, they may have decided, okay, we stepped in it. We're going to take a retreat from now. But I mean, they still, I mean, have got him by the short and curlies. I mean, he still has no authority to discipline his caucus in any way. So, okay, no, they'll take the lumps for now. But, you know, even they know if they want to survive that they couldn't put Marilyn Gladue as the critic for health now. (laughs) Right. So. But, you know, in case you were worrying that, you know, that Aaron, you know, might be finding his way, don't worry too much because, you know, Pepe Lapoutine is back at finance. I do not understand <laughs> that. So, yeah, don't worry, kids. It's still plenty tragic, just not as tragic as it would have been had, say, Cheryl Gallant finally got the promotion for which she's been working so very hard for, what, a few decades now? Ugh. Those two are just whack jobs, both of them. Tell me. I'm calling so, it like I see it. They're both just unhinged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gladue had to back her truck up back the next and back her truck up the next day. You could hear the beep beeping from Cornerbrook to Victoria <laughs> and apologize because it appears it was mere days ago that she learned that it's not okay to spread factually incorrect information and particularly not okay to do it about vaccines, treatments, and basic medical information during a global pandemic that has taken over five million lives worldwide. Mm-hmm. She just learned that. Oh, I, I gotta share something with you this morning I read. Okay. I read this, I don't know what time it was, and I, I just I sat there, stared at it for five minutes, shook my head, and I was going to respond to the tweet, and I'm like, nope, that ain't even worth it. This fool, idiot, absolute dumb individual, because there's no other way to describe it. Somebody says, well, you know, uh, Gene Simmons from KISS supports vaccines, ma- vaccine mandates, passports, and he's saying if, you're not un- if, you're, if you remain unvaccinated, you're harming everyone else. And somebody re- responded to that with, yeah, well, you know, you can get natural immunity from it. Like, I, there's no vaccine for chicken pox, and, uh, you know, I had chicken pox, and I'm fine. Yeah, you idiot. Chicken pox did not kill 800,000 American citizens. Yep. It, chicken pox is not a killer. I just, like, I stared at it and I started to write out a response and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just, no, no, no. You're sitting there going, Darwin, do your thing. Yeah. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's like, you've got to compare more than one fact mm-hmm. when you're comparing two things together. And it's like, wow, you have big ears. Elephants have big ears. You must be an elephant. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go to the grape for that one. Exactly. Well, this would be my Waterloo. It's like, no, you, you choose more than one factor of comparison. Okay. <laughs> Was it Norm MacDonald many years ago um, talked about how smoking is very bad for you. And he had quit smoking a long time ago, about mm-hmm. 25, maybe 30 years ago. 
And uh, he says, well, there's always that one guy who says, yeah, well, uh, don't, yeah, well, Bert Mustin, he, he smoked for 80 years and he didn't die of cancer. It's like, oh, yeah, right. So you're going to base a health choice on one example of one human being out of, what, 8 billion on the planet, whereas 90% of the people who smoke for that many years develop severe health-related issues. But no, no, Bert Mustin, you know. I'm sorry. If you only have one thing to cling to, your argument does not hold any water whatsoever. Precisely. Yep. 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 So, yep. We're. I. I don't know. I don't know if the party is going to make an attempt to try to be serious at some point, but we're still in the things that since you know, and even while Harper was there, but Harper tried to bring a little discipline, Mm -hmm. but still in the dynamic where conservative MPs are spending so much time trying to own the libs in the current nanosecond that they can't take a step back to appreciate the context, the overall context within which they are waging this war. Well, and I understand that you're the official opposition, but you don't have to be oppose every bloody thing. Because, uh, I mean, uh, and the opposition does not have to be, you want it, so we don't want it. Yeah. Be, you want it this way, but you know what? You didn't think of these two, two, three aspects, and your plan is not as strong as it could be. It needs to be stronger by doing this. That's, you can out that too. That's what it should be. You know, so that way you're working together for the betterment of everybody in the country. Instead exactly. of just saying, I don't like your idea because it's not mine. Yeah. What, so the five? things out an idea that should be more liberal to increase access happen and the things that should be more conservative to make sure that either people don't cheat or that safety is there and all that kind of stuff would be taken care of if both people did, both sides did their part. But nope. No. They're not. Well, one party is not interested in governing. Clearly. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, 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 they seem quite happy that they finished second because, you know, they got a lot of punches in and didn't lose too many seats. Mm-hmm. They seem to be quite happy with that for some reason. Oh, we'll get them next time. It's like, you know, we'll just keep on doing more of the same and we'll get them. We're in this dynamic where conservatives don't win elections until, you know, familiarity breeds contempt so much for liberals that the Canadians deserve they need to be spanked for a few terms. And then they win by default. Yeah. Let's, let's hope there's, it doesn't come to nothing that they contribute, no policy-wise or anything like that, that makes it so that they win. They just luck into winning. Mm-hmm. Their current war is to get the PCR test requirement to return to Canada when you've left, lifted. Just as cases are rising in Europe, and just as it gets colder here, and just as we go back into close and closed quarters, before we even know that whether doing that alone will make cases spike. Just eliminate the test. Do it now. uh, Have you heard what's taking place in Austria? Yeah, they're so looking. Uh, they're looking at uh, imposing a lockdown on the unvaccinated. the unvaccinated by choice because their their numbers are spiking like crazy. Whereas in Spain, which has an incredibly high vaccination rate, they are still practicing social distancing and wearing masks everywhere. So their numbers are very very low. Mm-hmm. And in Denmark, down. where they also have a high vaccination rate, I don't know if the they've let loose on the maxing, but on the masking, but numbers are spiking there too. Mm -hmm. So you can have an over 80% vaccination rate and still have a fifth wave. Oh, yes. Well, and the Netherlands are in trouble right now because they have a violent anti-vax crowd there. Yeah. Like, you saw what happened in Cologne on Remembrance Day, right? Well, and that's precisely, you're reading my mind. It's like when I saw what happened in Cologne, I was like, 
the throwing of the pebbles and what happened in Kelowna and all that kind of stuff, mm. when you put it together, the, the seeming targeted harassment, protesting at hospitals, this is all giving any government the permission slip it needs. Yes. Right? To do what Austria has done. And part of that scares me in a way, mm. right? Because, you know, when we on the side are saying, oh, you know, lock them up or just throw them away, like forget them. Like that's the same letter rhetoric they use against us, right? Yes. Except that they're arguing for the right to be, you know, vectors of transmission circulating freely and we're fighting to save ourselves and save them from themselves. Um, but, you know, no matter how noble the justification, you know, we're still out there starting to scream, lock them up, which is generally never healthy. I, I'm not there yet, but ooh. <laughs> generally never healthy. But like you said, I'm not there yet, but it's like, listen, if you are going if you are going to continue insisting that absolutely every moment should be your moment and that every discussion needs to be about your thing mm -hmm. and you can't even take a day off on Remembrance Day. Yeah. Yeah. That one was, I was, uh, enraged is not a term that I would use to describe my emotions when it came to that. It was way beyond that. I veteran. would not have been as polite as some of those veterans were. I would have unplugged everything. I would have taken that mic. I would have launched it into space. I would not have been polite and kind because no. Left crying. Oh, yes. They were in tears. Yep. I would not have been polite. I would have been in their face. I would have said, lady, not the time or the place. I would have ripped the microphone out of the stand and launched it. I would have then disconnected the speakers. You got to remember that's the milieu that I work in on a daily basis is audiovisual. So I would know how to shut that down quick so that they couldn't use it ever again. <laughs> yeah. And I would have made damn sure of that. And yeah. yeah, I probably would have gotten charged and arrested for it, which would, it's a good thing I wasn't there because that would really endanger my livelihood because I have secret clearance and I'm required to be in places, but I, we all have our limit. Yeah. And that one crossed the line. Yeah, so, so where are the $50,000 fines and 30 days in jail? Where? I'm just, I'm, I've heard that police are exploring that and that there may be charges. I personally hope so. There, there damn there, well better be. There need to be consequences now. Protesting at hospitals, protesting at schools, you know, just creating remembrance state, like, come on. Yeah, you've, you've, you've gone, like the, the hospital one was a shock to me. I couldn't believe it. And now they're doing Remembrance Day ceremonies. Okay, you've crossed the final line in the sand. This is it. Like, there's no more. We will not tolerate any of this anymore. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You, I could have sat in a room for days trying to find the most disrespectful way mm -hmm. to make this point. And I would not have come up with that. Nope. Not that one. No, not at all. Yeah. So... The conservatives, like I said, are waging the war to get the PCR requirement, test requirement lifted. There's no science behind this request. I think it's no, just, they're saying, it's well, it's ex again. expensive for travelers. Well, yeah, guess what? If you want to travel during a global pandemic, it's going to cost you extra money. Yep. And if but you it's can't budget for like, it, you know, too bad. But it's about the border towns and the tourism and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff again, right? Right. right. Again. 
cold, close, closed. Mm-hmm. Look at Europe. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's like, so far, everything that's happened in Europe has happened here about a month and a half later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Because when Italy was on fire back in, what, February, early March, before, before it hit here. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, stop trying to create pathways for COVID to spread. It's very simple, but the conservatives can't seem to grasp that, which is why I'm calling the COVID party of Canada. Well, there, there was the one fellow who the CBC reported a story on this guy who has a, he's upset that he has to pay $200 to go to his second home in Vermont. Yeah. Uh, really? You, you ha- you own another home. They're like, well, it's just a trailer. Yeah. He owns two properties, but he can't afford $200. Yeah. My heart does not bleed for you, sir. Yeah. There are homeless people that live mere blocks from Parliament Hill, which is a bloody crime that in a nation of Canada, we have people who don't have a place to live. In one of the richest nations on earth, mm-hmm. we're a very rich country. Mm-hmm. We have people who live outside year round. Yes, we do. Right? So this guy owns two homes and he's upset about paying $200. Too bad, so sad. I don't care. Hmm. Yep. So, I, uh, like I said, no science between the, behind the request. And, you know, all, the only thing that this, if we lifted that PCR test, the only thing that could happen is that COVID lasts longer, costs more, and kills more people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just trading one dumb policy position for another. Look, so we'll have a little bit of short-term pain right now to manage people's lives so that they don't drop dead. Because thousands more people dying from COVID is going to do a whole lot worse to the economy than a short-term pause on things, you know? Can, can they not see that? <laughs> like, they, they literally campaign to win the nanosecond. Yeah. And with that, we're going to take a short commercial break. We'll be right back in just a couple minutes. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. Yeah, I did too. Awesome. Bedside reading. Yes. Um, For those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smart-assy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered, and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss V and the Letras Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available, or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at 
www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing, all in one word, dot com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. Welcome back, kids, and we're continuing with our roundup. Let's go region by region, British Columbia and Alberta. The situation has been improving in these two provinces. BC's latest wave has dropped from a peak seven-day number of 5,200 to 3,768 last week and to 3,042 this week. So good progress. In Alberta, it's a similar situation where the number has dropped from 3,431 to 2,672. All in all, good news. Except for the fact that Bumbles is trying to distract from his failings by pointing to the fact that the OPEC decision to create an artificial oil shortage has caused the price of oil to just crack the $80 per barrel threshold, which is the minimum price required to start achieving profit in Alberta. Remember that at the worst point of the lockdowns, the price of oil per barrel was negative. One would be paid to take it off their hands and store it. Of course, Kenny had nothing to do with the price of oil coming back to $80 per barrel, but nonetheless, he's out there crowing. Alberta's economic recovery is real, and it is big. Of course, it is neither. It is not big. It has just started. They've just cracked the profit level. And it is not real. It is illusory and temporary, because once OPEC lifts its production limits, prices go down. And whatever profit is generated in the meantime, well... Kenny's in charge, so you know he'll just blow it, most likely by handing the profit right back to the oil companies. Just like he always does. Yeah. So don't buy it, Alberta. Don't buy it. Saskatchewan. While the seven-day number has dropped to 190, the big story here is that Premier Scott Moe had to transfer 27 patients out of province to Ontario. Seven have since returned home. 13 are still there and five have died. Mm-hmm. Also, their families were denied any chance to be with them as a result. Premier Slomo once again, granted a series, a series of disastrous interviews, during which, when asked directly if he had anything, anything at all, to say to the families of the deceased, any words of comfort, anything, he made it abundantly clear that not only does he have nothing to say to them, but also that he won't even make an attempt to acknowledge the loss. Uh, just Is he covering his eyes and his ears? You, I don't hear it. I don't see it. It doesn't happen. Like, My next line is he's acting as if he doesn't talk about it. it oh, it is. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see that. I had turned the page. Read in my mind. It's cold and it comes off as callous. Uh, there is... Death is like is not like non-object permanence for a child. You don't put your hands in front of your eyes, say peekaboo, and the death goes away. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what, what it is with this guy. And worse yet, not only did he not have anything to say to them, not only did he completely avoid trying to attempt putting any empathy whatsoever in his answers or acknowledge that a loss had taken place, he shamelessly attempt to deflect from the subject by lamely pulling a Kenny, complaining about how the province, not the ill, not the deceased, not the grieving, 
was the real victim here and how Ottawa slash Canada, who just bailed him out by taking in his overflu ICU patients, was being so big and so bad that Saskatchewan now needs to be a nation. Yeah, that's that's the world's biggest face palm right there. Okay. Uh, first of all, we actually have actual nations mm-hmm. in this country. Francophone nation, in many indigenous nations, hundreds mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> yep. um, uh, who are bound by a common language, common culture, common struggle, uh, attempts at being assimilated, oppressed, eliminated. Uh, um, uh, and Saskatchewan has um, a common history of... Um, of uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then his inability to answer with any degree of substance any question whatsoever about nationhood truly does give away that this was policy written on the back of a napkin mm-hmm. and that this was simply a change channel exercise. Right? Yeah, just look over here, look over here, look over here. You can't see what's going on over there. Well, you look over here. Slomo, once again, lives down to expectations. And once again, it is tragic. Scott, come closer. Let's talk. Hey, twit for brains. You can't run a healthcare system. You can't keep your ICU unclogged. Your citizens died not on your watch because, well, you depended on the rest of us to bail you out. And now you're puffing your chest and you're demanding more responsibility, like over immigration? Dude, come on. Saskatchewan party, turf him. He's done. Yep. Manitoba. Manitoba was one of the few places where the seven-day number was rising last week, and it is still rising. 934. And as a consequence, the government has started imposing a few new restrictions, including on religious services in the province's southern health region. And this is important because uh, it was religious uh, leaders in that region that recently lost uh, its case at the mm-hmm. at the Supreme Court saying that their rights had been uh, violated by not being able to gather as they wish. And then the court re- you know, stated the obvious that uh, during a global pandemic where people are dying, this is a reasonable restriction. A very reasonable restriction. Yeah. Ontario. The decline in the seven-day rolling number suddenly stopped. Last week, it was 2,683. This week, it's 3,724, a near 39% increase. These are numbers not seen since mid-October, and it is a bit of deja vu on how Ontario, due to an overeager reopening, slipped from the second wave to the delta wave while barely missing a beat. Now, Dr. Moore has recommended a pause or a longer pause before the next step of the reopening. But the question is, since that which we are already doing has stopped the decline in the COVID case rate, isn't it time that we pulled back a step? One would think that would be a good idea. Now, one of the reasons for which perhaps not is because, and this is a curiosity, Mm -hmm. the majority of the growth in cases in Ontario is happening outside the greater Toronto area as opposed to previous waves. Mm-hmm. Where that was the hot more, more rural areas where pe- perhaps vaccination rates are a little lower than they are in urban centers? Probably, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I don't know for a fact, but uh, seems like a reasonable statement. 
The current variant has been described as a heat-seeking missile seeking out pockets of unvaccinated people. So wherever you are, whether you're in a big city or in a small place, it's going to find you. Mm-hmm. However, on the other hand, making the other argument, and it's what we've been discussing, if we look to Europe where cases are rising fast, in the UK, the Netherlands, as you mentioned, Romania, uh, when my sweetie was there this summer to settle his uh, grandparents' estate, there were 20 cases in the entire country. Wow. It is a mess right now. And that was just July. Mm-hmm. Germany, Russia, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Russia's a, just a hot mess, mm. you know, but that's Putin reaping what he sowed yes. because nobody believes him. And as we mentioned, even in highly vaccinated Denmark, it's still quite possible that that which is in store for Canada is once again being foreshadowed over there. Modeling in Ontario is currently showing a worst case scenario of COVID ICU occupancy reaching 200 beds province wide based on the numbers we have now. Mm. And while you weren't paying attention because, you know, Ford loves to do this. He announced Friday at 5.30 p.m. that the Ontario has pushed back the deadline for long-term care workers to get fully vaccinated against COVID-19. And that's being pushed back to Monday, December 13th. As was the case in Quebec, I'm calling it, and I expect him to have his health minister announce on Friday, December 10th, also after 5.30 p.m., that he too will bail on that mandate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) I don't even know what to say anymore. We're in the insane times, people. Move along, Quebec. As is the case in Ontario, the seven-day number in La Belle Province is also rising, but not as fast as in its neighboring province, from 3,500 last week to 4,215 this week, an increase of only 20% compared to 39. So far, nothing new has been announced there. Atlantic Canada. Things are still going poorly in conservative majority New Brunswick. Why did they vote the conservatives in? Damn it. We keep trying to warn them. (laughs) Not only did Premier Blaine Higgs have to delay the provincial speech from the throne, I don't recall that ever being done anywhere in Canadian history. I don't don't think so. and, and, And not technically because of COVID, but technically to pass back to work legislation for striking QP members working in the health area. Mm -hmm. But given that the seven day number has risen 49% from 277 cases to 389 this week, he has also had to declare an official state of emergency. Yeah. They, they just uh, enacted a circuit breaker between the Miramichi and Moncton as well, where they're, they're shutting everything down. Okay. Blaine, darling, it seems I have to break everybody in close for a little conversation this week. (laughs) If we are in the fourth going into the fifth wave and you're still adopting policies that require you later on to declare official states of emergency, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. You're doing it wrong. In Nova Scotia, The current spike has brought the seven-day number up from 182 to 234. Also, there's been a new outbreak in a long-term care home at the East Cumberland Lodge, and it has affected at least four residents and one staff member. The staff member was the source of the outbreak. And this here is why Quebec reversing itself on its vaccine mandate for healthcare workers and Ontario extending it 
likely to reverse itself on it as well, mm-hmm. is bothering me, right? Because the initial infection was contracted by the staff member who attended a multi-day faith gathering attended by over 100 people. The government issued a reminder that while proof of vaccination is not required to access regular church service, it is for other kinds of faith-based, faith-based events. Uh, why is it not required in church, period? Like, why? Because why? it's determined essential for your basic Sunday church service, I guess, the, maybe the funeral or something like that. But if you're talking about a three-day spiritual retreat where you're going camping and singing songs and you need to show for that. If it's a Christmas potluck dinner, you need to show for that. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're, if you're actually communing with your higher power, you don't. If you're just hanging out with your friends who share the same religious beliefs as you, you do. I'm, I'm not going to weigh in on this one. Again, I personally believe, I'm not particularly religious, so maybe it's easier for me to say this, but I personally believe, again, that the primary objective is eliminating all potential possible vectors of transmission. That includes where you go to pray to God. Yes. I just, again, it seems to me that if our higher powers are omniscient and omnipotent, they know that you believe and they know that you're praying regardless of where you're doing it. Exactly. The kingdom of God is inside of you and all around you, not in mansions made of brick and stone. I'm pretty sure that the good Lord or Vishnu or Allah or whoever it is that, that you worship. Mm-hmm. If you it's do not about geography. No, it's no, that's it's the, that, their that's, concerns. Yeah. Geography and real estate. Care about what's in your soul. I, I mean, real, you can do it from anywhere. Realistically. I mean, look, I, I work with a lot of Muslim guys who will pray during the day. Right? They'll find a corner at a construction site. Yes. So if they're who pray three times a day, if they're capable of doing that. Yes. Why? (laughs) I'm like, sorry. Why do you got to go to church? You can't do it from home. There's yes. It's nice to commune with like people. Of course. But, but, but no need for recollection to be a spectacle. Yeah. So to me, this story shows the importance of mandatory vaccination for healthcare workers and personal support workers. Oh, yeah. Mandatory vaccination for them in the province of Nova Scotia is not expected until November 30th. So this could happen. It should. Meanwhile, Newfoundland, Labrador, as well as PEI, are doing just fine with 24 and 4 cases, respectively. The territories. Last week, we noted that it seemed like the Yukon had taken the baton from the Northwest Territories in terms of being the territorial hotspot. Well, this week, Premier Sandy Silvers declared a COVID state of emergency there too, because given uh, that between November 3rd and November 10th, his territory has been the highest active case increase spot per capita in all of Canada. Last week, the seven-day number was 53. This week, it's 158. That's a 198% increase. Uh, right, Raggy. Yeah. 
Mandatory public service vaccination is in place and the first shot will be required by November 30th. The second one, eight weeks later, up from six weeks, as now recommended by the National Advisory Council on Immunization on January 30th. A spike in the region of Toktoyaktuk has caused a new rise in case counts in the Northwest Territories from 27 last week to 64 this week. Premier Carolyn Cochrane, who just finished managing one spike, has been regularly addressing the Inuvialit community. Apologize. This is a new word for me, so it's not rolling. (laughs) Not an easy one either. Yeah. And Nunavut remains the one area in Canada with a zero case count, which leaves Iqaluit Mayor Kenny Bell free to focus on the water situation, thankfully. Mm. He reports that all tests have come back negative for the presence of hydrocarbons, which is interesting because uh, it was first suspected that either uh, diesel or kerosene had worked its way into the water supply. Um, The do not consume order still has not been lifted and residents still can't use tap water and engineers still have not been able to identify specifically exactly what changed or how it happened. And that's the coast to coast to coast COVID roundup. We'll be back after this break with our main story. Hello, kids. It's Mr. Grizzly your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear, who's asking you how much you like this program. And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you, if you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, the reason we ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Dollar, two dollars, 50 cents, whatever, whatever you can spare. It helps us with our production costs. Mr. Beaver. That's right, Mr. Grizzly. Uh, If you go to our coffee page, the recommended donation is $3, but it can really be anything you want. Um, less or more if you happen to like this show especially um we reinvest uh in the show uh as you can tell uh, the sound quality has improved since uh episode one and uh you know we want to see where this show can go uh hopefully we can maybe get some correspondence uh one day um maybe film it uh, for youtube uh if uh, you guys have any suggestions of what you'd like to see the show become of course those are always welcome uh because you know we do this for you um so yeah uh Every little bit helps, and of course, if you can't afford anything and you just like the show, then please, you know, that's quite all right. Send us some comments. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, That means just as much to us, too. And don't forget the website, www.ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Thanks, eh? And welcome back. While the speech from the throne is not due to be read until November 22nd, one would be forgiven for thinking nothing at all was getting done between election day and now, especially if one were to listen to the conservatives tell it, or Andrew Coyne. But things have been rather busy. You want headlines? We got headlines. Since election day, among others, we've had the seemingly overnight return of the two Michaels from China, 
managing the fallout from the post-U.S. pullout from Afghanistan. Interpreters uh, are still being brought back to Canada quietly. It's a trickle here and there. Every few days we hear about someone, but it is happening. National Truth and Reconciliation Day and the PM tripping over the flowers in the carpet. Uh, We will be doing an episode that touches specifically on that uh, coming soon. We have a great guest for that. The unveiling of cabinet, troubling inflation numbers, great jobs numbers, the reopening of the border with the United States of America, a trip to the Netherlands where our prime minister had the honor of addressing the Dutch parliament, a G20 summit in Rome, the COP26 conference, also known as the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference, and a suspicious package left at the National Cenotaph for Remembrance Day, which thankfully was not a threat, causing Canadian media to first attempt to spin both the Prime Minister and Governor-General as being disrespectful, as their arrival was delayed 11 minutes. And I think the moment of silence had to be redone. Well, I was, I was at the Cenotaph, but uh, when they set it up this year, they usually they put giant LED video walls up so we can see what's going on if you can't get close, because you can only get so close. And the video walls were turned towards the Cenotaph, so we couldn't see anything. They didn't have any line array set up anywhere, so we couldn't hear anything. Oh. So everybody just stood there. It was kind of like I just kept pulling out my phone to check the CBC um, what was going on, because nobody had a clue. Hmm. Unless you were very, very close, you wouldn't know any of this was taking place. Okay, so it would have to be uh, on the broadcast. I'll have to check the broadcast, but I had heard on the on the news uh, that uh, because their uh, arrival was delayed, the moment of silence had already started or had already been done, and they did another one or or something. But that's I, entirely possible. I, I, I didn't watch uh, the the CBC broadcast on the day, so it was uh, dead silent where I, I was the entire yeah, time I was there. It was silent. And everybody around me was masked as well. So that was, you know, a good thing. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to check that and uh, and report back on that. Uh, But as a result, uh, you know, here's the thing. Our media likes to make the complaint often that our prime minister is late. Mm -hmm. They do it before, you know, cabinet announcements, uh, speech from the thrones, that type of stuff, right? Or he, he's announcing a big, uh, uh, during the COVID announcements, the morning said 11 a.m. Sometimes he was late and they need, they need to make a big deal of this. Mm-hmm. So, listen, he's the leader of a G7 nation, right? It's an international pandemic. Odds are he's probably on the phone with a counterpart somewhere. One would some, think. Right? Okay. This media was before they knew what the reason for the delay was, they were starting to spin and they were gleefully trying to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this prime minister, here we go. Oh, I can't believe he's disrespectful. All the, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, why not wait to find out what's going on? Because of the scenarios on remembrance day with the governor general and prime minister, what's more likely intentionally be disrespectful and show up 11 minutes late just for shittings and giggles? Or would they be 11 minutes late for this important day generally because of a pretty darn good reason that may not be known to us yet? One would think. What's more likely? So, yeah. Uh, Well, 
Got to get that spin in there, right? Got to get the spin in. The spin in. So at least they told us what was going on. But like I said, not. No apologies. Exactly. There was no apology for trying, for not trying to avoid gleeful character assassination on a solemn day. Just none. It's just, oh, well, you know what happened? And, uh, well, yep, we're just moving on. Now we know why he's late like this, but we'll say nothing about how we try to editorialize that. Mm-hmm. So we've got headlines. <laughs> Lots of stuff has happened. But politically, the meaty story is that we will not be treating in another episode. So things like COP22, the economy, stuff like, we'll be talking about that. But politically, the meaty story is that Blair and Aaron released his shadow cabinet. Oh, Aaron, 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 Aaron. He put out this tweet with four PowerPoint type slides listing first his inner circle leadership team, which is frightening enough if you look at that, Mm -hmm. then his shadow ministers. Of course, on each one of those slides was his mug up top with the word leader under it. It seems he needs to remind them. Here's some thoughts about the shadow cabinet. Number one. You know, your cox has got you by the um, the fun part. <laughs> when your shadow cabinet is bigger than the actual cabinet. Yeah, by 10, 10 members of parliament, I believe. Was it 49 to 39 or something like that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, 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 no, it's better than that. That's, that's, that's 49 because, you know, the liberals first announced their cabinet and then like later on comes the parliamentary secretary positions, right? Which mm-hmm. doesn't offer any extra money, but does offer taps. Well, he did the same thing. So something like 80 of his 119 MPs got a title of some kind. Oh, the irony of the alleged party of small government handing out participation trophies. <clears throat> oh, my. Number three, CPC so white and so male. Yeah, that's um, not representative of this nation at all. Look at the slides. There's one token woman in the entire leadership team. And of all the women he chose... Canned Ice Queen Bergen, one of the most toxic of the bunch. Mm-hmm. I just, when I see her, I know it's going to be something whiny and something victimy. Well, didn't she wear a MAGA hat as well? I think there's a photograph of her in a MAGA hat somewhere. At one point there, yes, yes, there may be that. Yeah, because she was so, friends with Faith Goldie, yes. another horrible human being. Yes. Who we've thankfully not heard much of of late. Yeah, thankfully. Great. Uh, so there's also room for only one BIPOC in mm. the leadership team. <laughs> and he's responsible for recruiting other BIPOC people to the party. Hello, Token. <clears throat> I'm not saying it. <laughs> some, some of my best MPs are ethnic. <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing so loud at that, but you, you kind of, that's a little on the nose as the saying goes, right? Yeah. Uh, number six, 
Aaron Ryerson got a <laughs> put a nobody at Crown Indigenous Relations and at Indigenous Services. So yeah, that totally tracks. Yeah, totally. Seven. Pigeon Pierre has got finance and quote middle class prosperity. Though the latter department no longer exists, thus now saddling Howdy Tootie with having to define what is middle class. Um uh, you know what i think of him you know i dislike the man because he's such a whiny little punk yes nobody on the hill likes him who thinks he's tough oh yeah nobody likes the man like literally nobody likes him Yep, I know. It's like and ever just going. You know, I'm so happy to have Pierre there because he's an effective communicator and he's effective in the house. And when he rises, liberals quiver with laughter. Maybe. Yeah, that's what my thought is. Like, no, 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 darling, darling, darling. That, that that's not quivering. Those are the body rolls from the excessive laughter. I think this is the first time I've used. I've heard quiver used in politics. <laughs> in that sense usually I, I associate the word either with archery or romance novels mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. next to like references to uh, heaving milky bosoms <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah yeah well it's former uh, former uh, member of parliament for Centertown which is my area Catherine McKenna just I mean she was basically laughing at that on Twitter, I, I, I can't remember exactly what she wrote, but I was like, yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. She's like, no, they're quivering from laughter, not fear. Yeah. Uh, number eight. So they put the guy of Chinese ancestry, Michael Chong, in the position of chief China basher. <laughs> yeah, that totally tracks. Yeah. Especially after Nenshi made a point that <laughs> the conservatives probably lost a lot of uh, votes in the BC area, particularly from the Chinese community, because the way they do their commentary on China doesn't seem to differentiate very well between the Chinese people and the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. So let's just, anyway, um, it's like Pallister did in Manitoba when he sent the named the new Minister of Indigenous Affairs, who was a Métis guy, who then immediately went out and delivered an apology for residential schools. Maybe it'll sound better coming from a face you recognize. Or it's... Uh, Aaron, darling, come close for a second time. Racist crap doesn't sound or look better coming back, coming from a mouth that actually happens to have some pigment in it. It, it doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't. Well, it, right. and, and you know, there's this belief that if you're a non-white person, you can't be a white supremacist. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not actually true. Mm. There are a lot of people of color in this country that support white supremacists. And I'm not accusing Mr. O'Toole of that. I'm not at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. But I, I just want the listeners to understand that you don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. Yeah. It's a fact. Yeah. Nine, the leader of the COVID Party of Canada put a nobody at health. Yep, that too tracks. Ten, so they put one of the few other non-white males at immigration and refugees. <clears throat> Again, tracks. Eleven, sheer uselessness is at infrastructure and communities. So 
Dominic LeBlanc is going to sleep well. <laughs> Andrew Shear is so damn lazy, and LeBlanc's the ultimate political animal. No wonder O'Toole shoved dead weight off of there, never to be heard from again. 12. Mike Lake at Mental Health Addictions and Suicide Prevention is actually not a bad choice. Uh, he's likable, somewhat decent. He has a child who's autistic. He speaks very eloquently about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll have to champion stupid CPC positions that will, of course, ignore the concept of harm reduction. Yeah, so I'm not be... sure if this is a gift to him. <sighs> He's actually likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why Aaron's doing this to him. <laughs> 13. Minister Anand will make a morsel of who O'Toole has put at defense. Terry Lynn Finley, if the name doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't, nope, but doesn't. Yeah, but yeah. So, Minister Nand will be fine. I guess it's just you know probably putting a woman to counter another woman at defense because attacking and having a male attack Nand will probably wouldn't look good. So well, let's send the woman to do be, the the dirty work. I think yes. mostly because Minister Nand would eviscerate anybody. So, I yeah, mean, she's not one to be trifled with. No. Fourteen. The Merlot menace. We know who she is. Had to be rescued from health after claiming we'd have no vaccines until 2030. So she sure as hell could stay there, eh? Oh. <laughs> and placed at natural resources where between swigs, she'll accuse Minister Wilkinson of being sexist at some point as she underperforms spectacularly. Wilkinson, who is incredibly prepared and on top of his files, will make an amuse bush out of her. Yeah. Um, she... You know, I, there's a part of me that sort of hates myself for defending her on a couple of occasions, but I defended her for the right reason. And it yeah. was when they picked on her for what she was wearing in the House of Commons. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. In 2021, she can wear whatever the hell she wants. I don't like the woman at all, and I hate her politics. But I will defend her in that. See, the thing is, Michelle Rempel Garner is someone I would like to like mm-hmm. yeah she has some wackadoodle positions on oil and all that kind of stuff but you know she's okay on the gay rights thing and but she's i know she makes it so hard i know she just makes it so hard she could be likable she could be someone like this but she's got an alberta seat and she has to be contrarian to everything Ugh. And 16 less. Uh, no, no, not 16, 15. They put a talking head at transport. Uh, Melissa Lansman. You probably recognize her from uh, the pundits. Uh, she is uh, the uh, young woman uh, with the very typically fashion forward haircuts. Um, mm-hmm. You'll see her. You'd recognize her as soon as you'd see her face. Uh, she's a very effective spokesperson. Uh, which makes me wonder why they put her at transport. Uh, especially now that all the big decisions have already been made with regard to vaccine, you know, attestation to get on planes and trains and mm-hmm. border reopening. So my sense is that they didn't really have any other place for her, but that she'll be trotted out regularly to bash the government on anything but transport, mm-hmm. given her skills. And last but not least, once again, they put a woman 
and mother of five at Women and Gender Equity and Youth to deny other women still in 21, 2021 pay equity and to tell the nation's children, no, now go to your room. Okay. And literally, they put a Karen there. <laughs> Karen Vecchio. A literal Karen. Oh, boy. To deny women and deny children. <sighs> and, yeah. So... I don't know where he thinks he's going with this shadow cabinet. And it seems to me that, yeah, like I said, while the Michael Coopers are not there, mm-hmm. the Marilyn Gladues are not there, the Cheryl Gallants are not there, you know, all these weird, terrible people. people. Um, it seems to me that by having Candace Bergen as his deputy leader in the leadership team and Pierre Poiliev as the finance guy, that those, I mean, there's no way he could exclude them, right? Mm-hmm. They almost precede him <laughs> in a way. Uh, I don't know about you, but that gives me the impression that they're there to keep him on a very short leash. Mm-hmm. May very well be the case. Yeah. So that's uh, the shadow cabinet. That's uh, This is the team with which Aaron will be shadow boxing. Uh, in a parliament where, because, of course, liberal, liberals can go to either the bloc or the NDP because they only need one party to reach 170 to get anything through, mm-hmm. the conservatives will once again, as was the case for the last two years, be screaming into a wind tunnel and be utterly irrelevant. Peeing into the wind. My take, I'm going to call it, O'Toole is gone by May 2-4 weekend. Oh, Let's uh, put some put some numbers down to that one. Maybe uh, a friendly uh, wager, uh, a friendly wager for a pint of Guinness. Okay. Okay, a pint of Guinness for you and a box of gluten-free chocolate chip ice cream cookies from Farm Boy for me. Okay, and I'm going to say it's going to be at June-ish, mid-June, I think. Okay, so for for Pride. Yes. Okay, May 2 for a weekend for me, pride for you. All right, uh, kids, you're holding the stakes. <laughs> Make sure daddy gets paid. <laughs> and with that, I think it's time for a break. What we'll, do you think? We'll be right back after this. Kids, it's your eager beaver here. And... I am just so happy that so many of us have gotten vaccinated, that we're doing what we need in order to you know, protect ourselves from COVID, not spread it and stop it from mutating, because it's really important that we do that. 70% of us have gotten our first shot and over 56% of us have gotten our second. This is good. This is really good. Canada's really going for the gold. But about 6 million of us are still unvaccinated who are eligible and everybody in Canada who is 11 years of age and younger is still not vaccinated. So we're not done yet. Mr. Grizzly? Well, you know, science is your friend. Talk to your doctor if you have concerns. And for those who have probably read something on social media somewhere or seen something in a video of a YouTube or something of that sort telling you that there's metal in the uh, vaccine or that it's an experiment that was rushed to market just to 
you know, try and handle the pandemic. I can tell you unequivocally that is not true. There's no 5G chip. There isn't, because that technology doesn't exist to insert into a human being through a vaccine, number one. There is no metal in the vaccine, number two, and it's not new. Remember SARS in Toronto about 17, 18 years ago? Almost 19 years ago now? That was a coronavirus. This is SARS-CoV-2. It's a variation of the same thing. They have been researching diligently for almost 20 years with the latest state-of-the-art technological, scientific, and medical advances. Do not worry about the vaccine from that standpoint. It is completely safe. I myself, fully vaccinated, and I'm allergic to everything there is under the sun. So if I had the uh, strength and lack of fear to get this, I was actually quite excited to get the vaccine. Please, if you are doubting yourself, just talk to your doctor. They know best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's a matter of culture, talk to someone that you know and that you trust. Absolutely. And has received the vaccine. You know, I know that there's a lot of people that are still hesitant and, and many for very valid reasons. And that is okay. But please, please, please. The Delta variant is 1.8 times more communicable and especially in close settings. And there are such things as breakthrough infections. If you're around anyone 11 years of age or younger, the elderly, someone who's immunocompromised, or someone who can't take the vaccine for a legitimate medical reason. Yeah, you run the risk of uh, making somebody else sick, and I know nobody wants to do that, right? Yeah, so please, 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 please do what you need to do to keep the tribe alive. Hell yeah. And we're back. At this point in the show, Mr. Grizzly and I would like to offer our gratitude to the kids out there who have liked what we do and have kindly tipped us or have sent us comments so that we may keep going. Kit Dia says, I listened to the pre-election episodes of Beaver Bites and they were informative, impartial and lighthearted. Episode 8, The Aftermath, is an excellent recap of Election 44. Mr. Beaver and Mr. Grizzly's analysis is brilliant and pays attention to intricate details that most pundits never address. Wow, that's some pretty good praise. Yeah. <laughs> High praise indeed. Oh. From Kit Dale, we've received the following. Finally got a chance to check out the True North Eager Beaver podcast. Like sitting down and chatting about politics over coffee. I enjoyed listening in. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel good. That's kind of the vibe we're going for, right? Just exactly. come and sit down and have a chat. Indeed. Yeah. And Kit Dean, uh, who was the person who wrote to us uh, saying that he thought he might be a Mr. Grizzly clone. Mm-hmm. Well, he's written back to us and uh, as we had requested to answer our question. And he says, Just listen to the pod. Once again, a grand listen to my, to my newfound second favorite humans. Okay, Aww. so maybe not entirely a clone, I suppose. Since I do not know what either of you look like, my statement serves as an extrapolation. More accurately, I should have said that we seem quite aligned politically and social from my brief listening to your positioning. I am a 53-year-old music teacher, motorcyclist, hockey player, not necessarily good at any of them, who constantly seeks elucidation on social and political discourse. Basically, 
I don't know squat, and I'm looking to learn Mr. Grizzly's modest self-assessment rings true to me. Well, how do you feel about that? Wow. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's a nice compliment. Warm fuzzies? Yeah. Good. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for your feedback and comments. We truly do appreciate them. And they all contribute to helping make our show better. When you tell us what you like, it lets us know what we can do more of. And when you tell us what we can do better, then that lets us know that we need to shape a couple of things up. So uh, we appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you very much. We welcome feedback in the form of compliments, bribes to be on the show, constructive criticism, gentle corrections if we got anything factually incorrect, happy stories of things that have happened to you or your dear ones, and in participation in our listeners challenge. We want to know before what date will you absolutely not listen to Christmas or holiday music? <laughs> you can do all of that on our Facebook blog page, The True North Eager Beaver, or at True Eager on Twitter. At this point, we usually like to take a quick look at stories that didn't make us want to pull a sideshow bob and step on a series of rakes. Yes, you've missed it, but now it's back. Time for the cool news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for our first cool news story, proof that veterans never stop standing on guard for Canada. Joseph Novak, a 97-year-old World War II veteran, made a $1 million donation to the Yukon Hospital Foundation. The money couldn't go to a better location than to the people who care for people, said Novak. The hospital was very good to me and very good to Mary and Peter. Mary, his wife of 73 years. 73 years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's commitment. And his youngest son, Peter, both unfortunately died in 2019, within three months of each other. According to the CBC, the donation will help purchase a new mammography unit for the hospital and support mental health. Mr. Novak has also given $150,000 to Yukon University to create a bursary for Indigenous students studying communications. Young Indigenous people deserve this, he said. Mr. Novak credits his wife for his kindness and willingness to give. I'm always giving because I believe, and Mary taught me, if you receive, you should also be able to give. I'm doing what every human being should be doing, but I think the majority don't look at life the way I look at life. I wake up every morning and I say, boy, I'm alive. Thank God. Another bonus day. Let's be happy. And that's my motto, to be happy. That's sound advice, sir. Sound advice indeed. The first ever delivery of donated organs from one hospital to another, by drone, was recently completed. A pair of lungs were flown from Toronto Western Hospital to Toronto General. The drone can carry a load of up to 6 kilograms, and the trip took 5 minutes. The feat was accomplished thanks to a Quebec-based company. This could be a lower cost and faster way to eventually deliver organs from town to town, as typically Illyrjet is used for such things, at an average cost of about $20,000. A Canadian has won the Frédéric Chopin International Piano Competition and a prize of €40,000, or about $57,500 Canadian dollars. Bruce Xiaoyu Liu from Montreal's rendition of Chopin's Concerto in E minor, Opus 11, won out in a field so competitive that judges couldn't deny the mastery of the entrance and allowed two additional finalists. 
The contest is so prestigious, it is held only once every five years in Warsaw, Poland. This was its 18th edition. Charles Richard Amelin, who has competed against Liu twice, also lives in Montreal and who took second prize at the 2015 edition of the contest, says of Liu, Just the second prize was a big enough deal to change my life, so I can imagine what Bruce is going through. I could also afford a house and a different life altogether, traveling the world and doing what I love, which is a dream for any pianist. I saw him at the competition, and he'd improved so much in the last few years and made such an impression, I would say he's one of the most impressive pianists that I've ever heard. After his win, the 24-year-old you gushed. Oh my God, I don't know what to say, honestly. We've been dreaming with all these people here for this prestigious stage. Being able to play Chopin in Warsaw is one of the best things you can imagine, of course. So I'm truly honored for this award and, of course, for this jury's trust and for all the warmth I have received in recent days. Congratulations, Bruce. That's well done indeed. And you can catch his full winning performance on our blog page or Twitter feed. We've included a link. And that's the cool news. Before we go, we have a few quick updates since we recorded earlier this week. Green Party of Canada leader Annemie Paul's resignation from the party as its leader is now complete. In addition, she has resigned as a member of the party. The QP strike in New Brunswick has been suspended temporarily while striking workers vote on a wage proposal. And finally, the Ontario COVID-19 advisory table is warning that transmission is growing in 26 of the province's 34 public health units, that for, and this for the second week in a row. Children under 12 years of age account for the largest proportion of new infections. Nearly 490 schools in the province are currently reporting one active case. So please be careful. Indeed. Well, kids. That's the end of this episode of the Eager Beaver podcast. We hope you loved listening to us because we loved making this for you. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple, and Mixcloud. So tell your friends. As always, retweets, shares, gentle corrections, constructive criticism, compliments, requests, and positive reviews are always welcome. And finally, if you really, really, really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Please feel free to buy a cup of coffee for Mr. Grizzly here or a mug of hot chocolate for me via our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. Eagerbeaver, all in one word, lowercase. That's ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your Eager Beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there, so be kind to and gentle with yourself. And Mr. Grizzly, do you have some words of wisdom? Um, I'm actually bereft of any ideas today. I have a migraine, so I'm thinking my words of wisdom are get as much rest as you can. That's always <laughs> wise advice. Uh, get some Z's, kids. Get some Z's. The True North Eager Beaver Podcast is an Eager Beaver, Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, and editing by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. 
and be sure to look for our extended in-depth version of our interview with the kind and fascinating now-retired CBC foreign correspondent, Keith Bogue. That should be dropping very soon. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.